This is not going to be a pleasant experience. You are going to see and hear things that are not going to be very nice. Experts divide serial killing into two general types: organized and disorganized. An organized killer brings everything he needs to complete the murder. A disorganized killer improvises. Begin. Listener discretion is advised. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market that it's still unsolved. The investigation is ongoing. And in fact, it, it can't technically be referred to as a murder investigation at this point. The proper categorization is a suspicious death. So there's a lot of mystery involved with this story. And without further ado, uh, let's get right into it. I'm going to fill you in and unpack the mystery for you. Suspicious death of Adrian Salinas. <laughs> At just 19 years old, Adrian Salinas was a radiant young woman. Nearly every photo ever taken of her showcases her beautiful smile. Her friends and family say that her external beauty was a direct reflection of her heart. Out of all the interviews that friends and family would give about Adrian, the worst thing that anyone had to say about her was that she had a tendency to lose her phone too frequently. A student at Gateway Community College, Adrian was down to earth and easy to talk to, soft-spoken and a good listener. She kept a small core group of just a handful of friends who had all known each other since their high school days at Arcadia High. Among these friends was Adrian's on-again, off-again boyfriend and the love of her life, Francisco Arteaga, whose friends and Adrian called Fran. Adrian was kind, loyal, and loving. She put family first and was very close with her father. She was reliable. So when her father, Rick Salinas, hadn't seen nor heard from his daughter on Sunday, June 16th, 2013. He began to worry. He had spoken to her two nights earlier, late on Friday when she and Shaney and Rebecca were throwing a party at their apartment. But then all of Saturday had passed, and now, most of Sunday, Father's Day, had passed too. Adrian's phone appeared to be turned off, sending Rick's calls straight to voicemail and not returning his texts. Rick called Shaney and Rebecca and learned that they too were trying to reach Adrian and hadn't seen her since the early morning hours on Saturday. Adrian's boyfriend, Francisco, called Rick. He, too, was looking for Adrian. This was all very unusual for Adrian, Father's Day or not. So Rick Salinas called the police. It's just not like her. She would have called. She's not answering her texts, uh, the phone, and she still goes to her voicemail. You know, my thoughts are, are scattered. It's more of physical pain now, uh, the, the torture, the living hell that I'm going through right now because of not knowing and then the possibilities of 
her being in a harmful situation flashed through my mind. Despite Rick telling the police that Adrian wouldn't just disappear like this, it was technically too early for Adrian to be considered a missing person. So Rick and Fran began to drive around looking for Adrian. It was at this time that Fran told Rick that he had been asleep early Saturday morning when Adrian had decided to leave her party to come to his house. He woke up later that morning to find 11 missed calls from Adrian and a text that said, I'm coming over. When Fran finally called Adrian, her phone was off, sending his calls straight to voicemail. Eventually, Rick and Fran found Adrian's car, disabled with two blown tires, and parked a few blocks from her apartment. Rick and Fran contacted the Tempe Police Department again and demanded assistance. Yeah, it's just my whole world's turned upside down, and I'm not knowing where my baby girl's at, you know. A missing persons report was filed and the search for Adrian Salinas began. Over the next few weeks, the search for Adrian Salinas widened. Tempe Police Detective Alan Akey was assigned to the case as lead investigator. Maybe there's somebody that was attending the party that took an interest in an intoxicated female. You know how that, you know, that dynamic works. And there's the possibility that it escalated and got out of control. In the early weeks of the investigation into Adrian's disappearance, Detective Akey and the Tempe Police Department learned that on the morning she went missing, Adrian had called for a cab ride from a local taxi company called Scottsdale Cab Guy. Tom Simon Sr., the owner of Scottsdale Cab Guy, received an initial call from Adrian sometime between 4.30 a.m. and 4.45 a.m. on Saturday, June 15th. He dispatched his son, Tom Simon Jr., to pick Adrian up in Tempe, where she had requested to meet at the AMPM on the corner of University Drive and Hardy Drive. AMPM is a gas station convenience store here in the States. When Tom Simon Jr. arrived at the AMPM on University and Hardy, Adrian had not yet arrived. Simon Jr. stepped out of his cab to have a smoke and called Adrian from his cell. It was 4.53 a.m. and Adrian answered the call, telling Tom Simon Jr. that she was walking up the street and was nearly there. However, Adrian never showed. At 5.07 a.m., Tom Simon Jr. tried Adrian's phone again, but now it went straight to voicemail. Simon Jr. got back into his cab and drove away. We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod Studios. Join us as we give you the best of the best health and wellness updates you can rely on for the treatment of chronic health problems. Classic functional medicine back to basics health tips and special updates from the best doctors in the United States of America. Check out this health and wellness podcast shows. Explore Health Talk Weekly, Healthy Lifestyle Matters, Excellent Health Digest, Healthy and Free Daily and last but not least. Weekly Health and Fitness Corner. Also, check out Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told Fiction Podcast, for that real life on the go experience with the 27-year-old golden boy who made our guest invite number one list. He tells us about his story as it happens in real time and in real life. It's Nasty Boy CC the truest story never told. Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Join us every week as we continue to provide you the best of health and fitness wellness updates from around the globe. Enjoy the show. After 5.07 a.m. on Saturday, June 15, 2013, 
no one would be able to reach Adrian Salinas on her cell phone ever again, making Tom Simon Jr. the last known person to have spoken to Adrian. If somebody did see something, somebody knows something, just please come forward with any information so they can just put the, the pieces together and figure out what is actually taking place. In the late summer, most often in the month of August, the Arizona desert is hit by severe monsoons. A North American monsoon is a pattern of pronounced increases in thunderstorms and rainfall over large areas of the southwestern United States. Basically, they're just gnarly thunderstorms that we get out here almost daily in August. And oftentimes, monsoons will cause flooding, usually what we refer to as flash floods out here. On August 6, 2013, roughly six weeks after Adrian Salinas went missing, Monsoons caused massive flooding in the Apache Junction area of Pinal County in Arizona, about a 30-minute drive from Adrian's neighborhood in Tempe. After the flooding, when the water eventually receded from the Superstition Mountains, the mummified partial remains of a human corpse were discovered. Breaking news now. A body discovered in Apache Junction. Tempe police are there. We have Sky 12 over the scene. Three days later, on August 9, 2013, an autopsy was conducted. I'm going to read an excerpt from the medical examiner's notes. Quote, The remains are mostly skeletonized, with mummified skin and muscle, present more on the right side of the body as compared to the left side of the body. Some head hair is present on the upper neck. Pink nail polish is present on the toenails. End quote. Now, I say that was an excerpt, but actually that's pretty much the entirety of the examination notes apart from one sentence that has been redacted. We'll come back to that, though. Scarring was discovered by taking radiographic images of the thorax. The bone scars that were discovered were consistent with scars that Adrian Salinas had developed when she had lung surgery after contracting valley fever. Valley fever is a lung infection caused by a fungus that grows in the soil in various parts of the southwestern United States. Sometimes it can get better on its own, but sometimes it can be devastating for people for animals. Obviously, Adrian had a serious case because it required surgery. Eventually, a DNA test confirmed Rick Salinas' worst fears when it revealed that the corpse in question was indeed his daughter, Adrian Salinas. No cause nor manner of death could be determined. A location of death could not be determined. It was impossible even to determine whether Adrian had been dead for just a couple of days or for the entire time she had been missing. All that Adrian's family and friends and the Tempe Police Department knew was that Adrian Salinas had vanished for nearly two months, and when she finally turned up, she turned up dead. Because Adrian's cause of death could not be determined, it could also not be determined whether her death was an accident or whether it might have been a suicide or homicide. However, given Adrian's character and typical behavior, those that knew and loved her were confident that accidents and suicide could be ruled out. Adrian's loved ones were convinced that she was murdered. Now, let's see if we can break down the timeline and the chain of events on the morning of Saturday, June 15th, 2013, from the time when Adrian Salinas returned to her apartment to pack a bag after wrecking her car to the time when she went missing. We know that Adrian's boyfriend, Fran, received 11 missed calls from Adrian between 4.15 a.m. 
and 4.43 a.m. At 4.43 a.m., Adrian texted Fran telling him that she was coming over. We know that Adrian was in her bedroom in her apartment at 4.43 a.m. when she sent this text because her roommates Shani and Rebecca put her there in their statements to the police. This is further corroborated by several of the people who attended the party at the young women's apartment. It was likely just before or just after Adrian sent the text to Fran that she called Scottsdale cab guy for a ride to Fran's house. Now, Tom Simon Sr., who owned the cab company, took the initial call that Adrian made to request the cab. He claims that Adrian told him that she wanted to be picked up at the AMPM on the corner of University Drive and Hardy Drive, which is roughly a quarter mile from Adrian's apartment, which is also on Hardy Drive, just in between Fifth and Brown. One of the first questions that arises when looking over this information is, why would Adrian have the cab meet her a quarter mile down the street from her apartment complex? Why not have the cab pick her up from her apartment? It's almost 5 a.m. on a Saturday. Why walk alone down the street to a gas station? Sure, an AM PM is easier to spot than a specific apartment complex, especially considering that Adrian's apartment complex is one of many in the area on the same street. But these complexes have specific addresses, and it's part of a cab driver's job to find these addresses. This is part of what Adrian is going to pay them for. So there was likely a little more to her reasoning for wanting to meet the cab away from her apartment, I think. Could it be because Adrian was embarrassed that she had just wrecked her car and rendered it undrivable because she attempted to drive drunk? If her roommate's say to her, why is a cab here to pick you up, Adrian? Where's your car? Well, she'll have to answer them and say, well, I was driving erratically when I left the first time and I ended up wrecking my car. So that might have been embarrassing for her. Of course, she could also simply tell her roommates that she called a cab precisely because she was too drunk to drive her own car. And I'm sure they would have been fine with that answer and probably pretty pleased with it, actually. But that wouldn't help Adrian to avoid the question of where her car is. In any event, Adrian leaves her apartment and starts walking down Hardy Drive from 5th Street toward University Drive, where the AMPM sits a quarter mile away. At 4.52 a.m., a surveillance camera at O'Reilly Auto Parts captures a woman who looks like she could be Adrian walking down Hardy Drive. Now, this O'Reilly Auto Parts is almost directly across from the AMPM on Hardy Drive. So in other words, AMPM and O'Reilly Auto Parts are both on Hardy Drive and University Drive, but they're on opposite corners facing each other. Okay, so if the camera sees her, then she's right across the street from it. So if that was Adrian that the surveillance camera captured at 4.52 a.m., then she's all but arrived at the AMPM already. However, the cab driver who has been dispatched to the AMPM to meet Adrian, Tom Simon Jr., arrives at the AMPM at just about the same time that this young woman is captured on camera. Tom Simon Jr. calls Adrian on her cell phone at 4.53 a.m., just one minute after the camera spotted the young woman. Now, this call went through. Phone records from both Adrian and from Tom Simon Jr. show that the call went through 
and lasted for long enough for Simon to ask Adrian where she was and for her to tell him that she's almost there. But she doesn't get there. The woman in the camera footage moves beyond the camera's view, while Tom Simon Jr. smokes a cigarette and waits for Adrian. When he tries to call Adrian again at 5.07 a.m., her phone is dead. That was 14 minutes after he last talked to her, and she told him that she was almost there. Is it suspicious, then, that Simon Jr. waited for almost 15 minutes to call her again after she told him that she was almost there? Even if Adrian had still been at her apartment at 4.53 a.m. when Tom Simon Jr. first called and spoke to her, she would have made it to the a.m. p.m. well before 5.07 a.m. It's a quarter-mile walk. It takes the average pedestrian about five to seven minutes to walk a quarter-mile. So if Adrian were still at her apartment when Tom Simon Jr. called her at 4.53 a.m., she would have been at a.m. p.m. by 5 a.m full seven minutes before Simon calls her again. Plus, on the 4.53 call, she told Tom Simon Jr. that she was even closer to a.m. p.m. than her apartment was, so she definitely would have arrived before 5.07 a.m. Still, maybe Tom Simon Jr. wanted to smoke two cigarettes, or maybe he just likes to give his customers a full 15 minutes to show up before he calls them again. I don't know. So, after he calls Adrian and her phone is off, Tom Simon Jr. leaves the AM-PM at 5.07 a.m. And Adrian Salinas is gone. Her trail goes cold and won't be picked up again until her dead body is discovered several weeks later. The search for suspects in most homicide and suspicious death investigations begins with victimology. Who, if anyone, might want Adrian Salinas dead? The first person of interest in Tempe Police Detective Alan Akey's investigation into Adrian's disappearance would obviously be Francesco Artiaga, Adrian's boyfriend, who Adrian had been arguing with on the night she went missing. Fran and Adrian were together at Adrian's Friday night party on June 14th. At the party, Adrian became annoyed with Fran for flirting with some of the other women at the party, and this led to a fight between the couple. As Friday night neared Saturday morning, Fran decided to go home to his house in Scottsdale to get away from Adrian and her accusations. Adrian was able to apologize to Fran and get him to calm down after he had threatened to leave the party, but Fran told her that he still intended to leave, so Adrian decided to go with him. The couple left together in Fran's car, but their fighting started up again. Eventually, Adrian decided that she no longer wanted to go to Fran's house and demanded that he take her back to the party. Fran agreed, but they were in a busy area of a college town in Tempe. It was now 2 a.m. on Saturday, and all of the bars and nightclubs were just getting out. There was a lot of traffic for Fran to contend with, and eventually, Adrian grew too impatient and annoyed with Fran to stay in his car any longer. She told him that she would walk the rest of the way back to her apartment and hopped out of Fran's car. Fran then called Adrian's roommates, Shaney and Rebecca, to let them know that Adrian was walking and to keep an eye out for her. Of course, we know that Adrian did make it back to her apartment after getting out of Fran's car and walking the rest of the way. After returning to her party for a while, she began to feel guilty about her fight with Fran and decided that she did want to go and be with him at his house after all. This is what caused Adrian to try to drive her own car to Fran's house. In the meantime, after Adrian had left his car, Francisco Artiaga went home to his house and subsequently went to sleep. 
At least this is what Fran told investigator Alan Aki. He's been cooperative and he's uh, the way I've described Fran is if I called him right now and said, hey, I'm working the case. I need you to show up. I, I need you to do A, B and Z. He would come in and do A, B and Z without hesitation. Whether Fran missed Adrian's 11 calls and one text message because he was asleep or whether he missed them because he was still angry with Adrian, it does appear to be true that the last time Francisco Arteaga ever saw his high school sweetheart was when she jumped out of his car that morning in anger. The next logical persons of interest in Detective Aki's investigation were the Simons. Both Tom Simon Jr., who was driving the cab that was dispatched to meet Adrian at the AMPM, and Tom Simon Sr., who took Adrian's initial call, were on Detective Aki's radar as potential sources of information. Both men had cooperated with police and had given detailed statements early on in the investigation. They both explained that they took Adrian's call as a routine fare, that Tom Simon Jr. showed up at the AMPM to meet Adrian, but she never showed and he left. End of story. However, as the investigation moved along, Tom Simon Jr. began to look more and more like a suspect. Reports suggested to Detective Aki that Tom Simon Jr. had a murky past. Clients and customers had reported strange behavior from Simon Jr. during their cab rides. One woman in particular claimed that when Tom Simon Jr. had once driven her to Sedona, Arizona, he had pulled over to look through his trunk. After rummaging through the trunk for a bit, Simon Jr. pulled out a hacksaw and wondered aloud about how it possibly could have gotten there. Was it Tom Simon Jr.'s hacksaw, and he was pretending it wasn't? Did it belong to Tom Simon Sr., and he had placed it in Tom Jr.'s trunk without telling him? Why did Tom Simon Jr. pull over to rummage through his trunk in the middle of a fair? A woman who lived next door to Tom Simon Jr. reported to police that on Sunday, June 16th, the Father's Day when Rick Salinas reported his daughter missing, she heard muffled screams coming from Simon Jr.'s apartment. As the woman began to pay closer attention, she believed that she heard a young woman calling out for help, only for the young woman's cries to be cut off abruptly. We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod Studios. Join us as we give you the best of the best health and wellness updates you can rely on for the treatment of chronic health problems. Classic functional medicine back to basics health tips and special updates from the best doctors in the United States of America. Check out this health and wellness podcast shows. Explore Health Talk Weekly, Healthy Lifestyle Matters, Excellent Health Digest, Healthy and Free Daily and last but not least. Weekly Health and Fitness Corner. Also, Check out Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told Fiction Podcast for that real-life-on-the-go experience with the 27-year-old golden boy who made our guest invite number one list. He tells us about his story as it happens in real time and in real life. It's Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told. Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Join us every week as we continue to provide you the best of health and fitness wellness updates from around the globe. Enjoy the show. Tempe police put Tom Simon Jr. under surveillance. The police report from the surveillance claims that Tom Simon Jr. spotted police following him and began, quote, making heat runs, end quote. Heat runs apparently are police lingo 
for trying to determine if one is being tailed or trying to shake a tail by making erratic turns or abrupt turns, driving into strange areas where it's difficult to be followed, etc. So eventually, Tom Simon Jr. evaded the police, his heat runs proving to be successful in shaking the tail. And so Detective Aki went to his house. Hi, Tom. How you doing? Can we just knock that out? I can give you a ride. I don't want to do it, man. Why is that? Why wouldn't you want to? Because I don't trust those things. I don't know. The lawyer said not to. What lawyer? I personally don't care. I just, the lawyer lawyer said not to because, and not to talk to you guys anymore. And not to talk to us. Yeah, because you're really hassling me at this point. No. You know, I was one more hard worker. A lady called me, I went there, she wasn't there. End of story. If you guys don't believe it, go get a warrant, take me to jail. Detective Alan Aki did just that. He went to a judge and got a warrant to bring Tom Simon Jr. into custody. First, first we're going to de-escalate everything. Everything is de-escalated, but you got to then we're going to let you get dressed. Pull the guy out, embarrassed him in front of these neighbors. Then we're going to let you get How are you guys going to fix that after this? Okay. Then How are you going to fix my test. life after this? You guys are treating me like a criminal. And Absolutely I'm not. You are too. Absolutely not. Can you please stay in here? What's going on? Man, you guys are treating me like shit, dude. All I do is drive a taxi and you guys are, have put handcuffs on me. You've taken me from my house. This isn't right, man. We're just executing them. Why did you let them do this to me? We're just executing an order. You guys know darn well. You guys even said that you saw it on the tape that I was there and the girl wasn't there. Why are you doing this? To satisfy the family? To, 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 to check every avenue? You know what I am. You know I'm a taxi driver who does his job every night. After more questioning, Simon Jr. surrendered a DNA sample to the authorities. Okay, we're going to obtain buckle law. Uh, buckle swabs from you. The hell is buckle swabs? And basically we're going to take a DNA sample from you, from your mouth. Why do you have to do that? Because we have an order to do that. Okay? I didn't I'm give you permission. Di- I'm I didn't give you permission. Direction. Can you open your mouth? Ah. That's a violation. How is that a violation? He just stuck something in my fucking mouth oh, and took to something explain. that belongs to me. It doesn't matter. That's not right. Especially from someone who got a phone call and went to try and pick up a girl that called me, and then when I got there, she's not there. And you guys put some shit in my mouth? You guys are fucking disgusting creatures. It's a sterile future. Shut up! I'm now going to give you back. Whatever. I hate you, man. Give me your cash back. Your belt buckle. Your 10 cents. And your... You're a disgusting human being. So is your fucking judge. There's a copy of this I at your residence. Uh, but I'm going to give you this copy I as well. I don't care. I don't want to hear anything else from you. You're a liar and you fucking steal. You stole my fucking DNA. And he was released. Detective Alan Aki claims that there are still some unanswered questions that he has for Tom Simon Jr. He can be a big help in the case with because he was the last person that we know to have contact with her so when i say i have some unanswered questions i mean just having a conversation with him hey do you recall this or 
can we work, you know, talk more about that? It could be just as that simple, like using his recollection to advance the case. Simon Jr. claims that he has answered every question the police have asked. What have they asked that we haven't answered? Nothing. And with no new evidence to link him to Adrian's death, no DNA recovered from her body to match his DNA samples, Tom Simon Jr. simply wants to be left alone. Tom Simon Sr. answered Adrian Salinas' call on the early morning of Saturday, June 15th, and sent his son to pick her up at the AMPM. As far as the police investigation has been able to determine, that's all he did. Tom Simon Sr. has his own theory about what might have happened to Adrian. Other cabs swing in and pick people up. It's very common with the competitive nature of this business for somebody to uh, swing right by or scoop right by and say to them, uh, you called a cab? And the person then thinks that that was their cab driver. That's important because uh, one of the possibilities, that, as we see it, is that uh, Tom got scooped on this uh, particular ride. Any of us, including the, the cab company that can help with that, uh, we want to do that, even though it might be uncomfortable. It's possible Tom Simon Sr.'s theory about another cab company taking Adrian is accurate, but no other cabs appeared on any of the aforementioned surveillance footage from the night Adrian went missing. Plus, Tom Simon Jr. spoke to Adrian while he was waiting at the AMPM, so a rogue cab couldn't have picked her up from under Simon Jr.'s nose without him seeing it. And if another cab had picked her up while she was walking down Hardy, it's likely that the camera at O'Reilly Auto Parts would have seen it. Both Tom Simon Jr. and Sr. live out of state. They were never arrested or charged. Tempe police said they have never been declared suspects of any kind. If the likeliest suspects in the disappearance of Adrian Salinas seem to be cleared of any wrongdoing, who else could have been involved? Earlier I read from the medical examiner's report on Adrian's autopsy, and I mentioned that one line had been redacted. I'll read the report again now. Quote, the remains are mostly skeletonized, with mummified skin and muscle, present more on the right side of the body as compared to the left side of the body. Some head hair is present on the upper neck. Pink nail polish is present on the toenails. End quote. Do any of the lines that I read there sound sort of funny to you? The sentence that says, some head hair is present on the upper neck? That's a strange sentence, no? Could this mean that Adrian's head was missing? Is it possible that the redacted sentence from the report says something like, the head is missing? Tempe police won't comment on whether or not the entirety of Adrian's body was recovered. It remains unclear as to why they won't say. With the corpse being out in the desert, possibly for a long time, one might expect some animal activity interfering with the body. However, if the medical examiner observed animal activity and thought that it might have played a role in any missing parts of the body, it's likely it would have been included in the report. And would a sentence about animal activity be redacted? Again, if most of the potential suspects who were close to Adrian's circle of victimology have been cleared, who else could have been involved? Is it possible that Adrian fell victim to a random attacker? A possible repeat offender? Were there any serial murderers in the area? Any killers whose M.O. happened to be decapitating young women? Well, actually, yes. There was. And this killer happened to be at a party in Tempe on the night of Friday, June 14th, and the morning of Saturday, June 15th. A house party on Hardy Drive.
This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.